Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that your word says when we gather together in your name, that you are here in the midst. You're in the midst of us, Jesus. And I pray today that you will be the voice within my voice and that, Lord, we will hear what you have to say. I love the way that you can take a message and speak. Speak to us collectively and speak to us personally. So right now, I thank you for an open heaven. I thank you for open hearts. Heavenly Father, right now, have your way and have your say. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's so funny that during COVID, obviously itinerants can't travel during lockdowns, right? For those of you who don't know, that's what I used to do pre, pre-COVID. I was a traveling ministry, ministry formerly known as itinerant. They don't exist anymore. Very hard to travel when you, you know, you've got borders locked, you know, People's Republic of Western Australia over there and, uh, and you know, no international travel. Very tricky. But when I started preaching again in live settings and, and to real life people, it was really weird. It was like, can I still do this? This is very strange. So if I'm looking at you, I still haven't done a lot of actual live ministry since, um, since we could gather again. And uh, so if, if, I, if I look at you, get up. If I look shocked when I look up, oh, there's people? That's, that's why. So today I, I want to ask you, do you know where you are? Have you ever asked yourself the question, where am I? Where am I? When I did used to do a lot of travelling, and at one For a season of about seven years, I went to Europe four times a year. And on some of those weekends, I would speak in two or three different nations in one weekend. So I might do, say, Amsterdam in the morning and London at night. Or I might be, you know, in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland in the morning and then Hanau, Germany at night. Like, um, and there would be some nights I would wake up during the night, ask, I'd ask myself, where am I? You know, you're getting up and you're trying to find the bathroom. Anyone had that experience and you're bashing into a wall? <laughs> but what's really important in this season is that we locate ourselves. Because in order to get to our destination, and I want to assure you today there is a destination. We are heading somewhere. We are still in transition. I don't know if you ever remember a vision that I had. I shared, I'm pretty sure I shared it here on a Sunday. Uh, The Lord showed me a picture of him with a Rubik's Cube. I definitely shared it to the leaders if I didn't share it to the church in general. This was in 2017. The Lord gave me a vision and Jesus was holding a Rubik's Cube and he started to, you know how they move it really super quick. And it was like a blur of motion. And when he stopped, I realized he'd actually messed it up. He hadn't solved it as we know a Rubik's Cube to be solved, all kind of, you know, uniform colours. He messed it up. And then he still wasn't happy with it. And he went, 
So it wasn't even a cube anymore. And I went, what have I just seen? And the Lord said, it's my church. There's a new wineskin coming. Ask my people, are they willing to relinquish control? So that was in 2017. I started to share it. And the, each one of these, I believe, represented a paradigm shift. And, um, and that, that God was doing a new thing. He was doing a new thing. Well, when 2020 and the world got turned on its head, I felt the Lord say to me, the Rubik's Cube is in full swing. That, okay, now we, and it was so funny because in the lead up to that, as I would share it at different churches and groups and pastors, gatherings, there was this sense from a lot of people, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing that. We're doing that. And I'd be thinking, oh, I don't think you're doing this. <laughs> I think there's some, something about to go down. I couldn't tell you what exactly it was, but I knew something was going to happen at such a rapid rate that we would not be in control of. It was only a few weeks ago, and the Holy Spirit said to me, the Rubik's Cube is still in motion. It's still in motion. So I say all that just to kind of uh, let you know that God is up to some stuff. Even if you might look out on the landscape right now, even of the church, the greater church landscape, and think, what the heck's happening? God is course correcting. God is doing some stuff. It's actually good stuff. But when things are moving so quick, you can kind of get a bit lost in the movement, a bit lost in the motion. Like, where am I? And it's really important if, uh, for, for us to travel today. My friend Yanitsa came, picked me up this morning from DY. And get from DY to Norellan, that's where we are, isn't it? Get from, you know, we had to know where we were to start with to get direction to where we're going. And it was later last year. The Lord said to me, Vicky, the church is on the road to Emmaus. The church is on the road to Emmaus. And so we're going to prophetically unpack that story. And as, as we do, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit helps you locate where you are personally. So there were four stages of this journey. And I'm praying that you'll be able to identify with at least one of them. Because sometimes it's not so cut and dry. Sometimes we do move between different stages. And I pray that as a church, you know, this applies, this journey and this need to locate ourselves applies to us as a church, collective, corporately, and as individuals. So, you're right, have your spiritual antenna up. And like, I want you to be hearing from me and at the same time ask, asking the Lord. Being honest before the Lord to help you locate yourself. So Luke 24, verse 13. I'm going to drag this over. Is that okay? Here we go. Whoops, whoops. No, maybe not. Yeah, there you go. You do a better job than me. Thank you. Just easier to reach. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Do I need to just check the countdown thing? So what am I looking at? You've got, that's a real time clock, 10.39. What time do you want me to hand it over? 11.10. Okay, no. That's good. Take me time. <laughs> that's a dangerous thing to say to me. Uh, okay. Which, uh, two of them were travelling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, give you background of this story. These two, the two of them, 
The two of them is referring to a bloke called Cleopas and another nameless friend, disciples of Jesus. Important to note that. Followers of Jesus, they were believers who had just witnessed the crucifixion. And they are leaving Jerusalem now, destination Emmaus, with all their hopes and dreams dashed. They were not expecting their Messiah to have ended up like that. That they, they thought he was going to, you know, overthrow the Roman Empire, establish, you know, their, the rule and reign of God's people once again. And, but it hadn't gone to plan. Everyone say it didn't go to plan. And they, they were confused. When things don't go to plan, it's easy to be confused. When things don't go to plan, easy to be disillusioned. And they were all of that and more. And they are in transition Everyone say transition. Transition from Jerusalem to Emmaus, from one place to another, as we are. In this season, we are heading somewhere. Don't think of life in terms of, well, okay, COVID is sort of, yeah, it's still around, but, you know, it is what it is now, and church is open again, and, okay, end of that season, into the new. No, it's, it's not where we're at. We are still in transition. We're still heading into the new day the new era. And as they were in transition, they walked through, I believe, four stages. Four stages. So let's, let's start with the first. I didn't ask you, Ali, whether you managed to do the, the, the slides for me. But anyway, let's see what pops up on the screen. Stage one. Stage one is a stage called conversing and reasoning. Conversing and reasoning. Verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. So they're trying to make sense of what happened. That's a natural thing to do. When things don't go to plan, when the unexpected takes place, when life's turned on its head. I don't know about you, but I'm a verbal processor. Any verbal processes? I'm Italian. I'm a woman. I do not suffer in silence. Just letting you know. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hear. And, and you know, it, I was really impacted when, you know, I couldn't travel anymore. Borders shut. Seeing my ministry shut down, like, overnight. No longer being able to fly when I need to, to, to WA, to care for my mum. Um... I conversed and reasoned. There was a lot of conversing and reasoning going on. Yes, I'd get onto social media to see how people were trying to make sense of the situation, of the unprecedented circumstances. And there's nothing wrong with conversing and reasoning. It's what we naturally, it's what we naturally do with each other, trying to make sense of what's going on. And today you may still be in stage one. We are still trying to make sense of your situation, whether personally or at large, by conversing and reasoning. Like, you're trying to make sense of it. You're going like through the, I would call it like the filing cabinet of, of reason and social media and, you know, you're looking in every drawer and, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, right. that's, that's the answer. The, the answer's there. We find, you know, a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, he knows what's going on. He's got all the answers. Yeah, that, that's, you know, it's that cycle, conversing and reasoning. But Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
Verse 16 says, But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Jesus drew near. Now, Jesus had since since been resurrected from the dead. So these are believers who didn't recognize Jesus. These were followers of Jesus who had walked with him during his earthly ministry. And now in this new form, his resurrected form, they didn't know it was him. I want to say today, Jesus has drawn near. In our darkest day, Jesus has drawn near. When things haven't made sense, Jesus has drawn near. Jesus is walking alongside of us. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. I'd like to suggest that it was their conversing and reasoning that kind of prevented them from seeing him. Conversing and reasoning has a place, a time and a place, but when it continues beyond, beyond that, in which it's, you know, served its purpose, you can cease to see Jesus when he's, when he's drawn near. And he asks them the question. He says, this is verse 17. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? What kind of conversation? The NIV says this. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They stood still, their faces downcast. So I want to ask you today, what kind of conversation is it that you're having? What kind of conversation? I pray for a a heightened self-awareness, that you'd be aware of what you're saying, being aware of where you are directing your energies to, where you're directing your searching and your seeking to. Yeah, we're we're, we're primarily, we're primarily, and I'm not saying we're not to be ignorant. I'm not condoning ignorance. I'm not saying that, that it's a crime to want to know more. However, when we become obsessed... And when we become attached to the things of reason, we can miss some things. And it can affect two areas of our life. They stood still. It can affect your movement. It can affect your movement. Their faces downcast. It can affect your mood. Your conversation can have a direct impact on how you're feeling and where you're going. And we really do need self-awareness. And the Lord said to me some months back, Vicky, the most powerful thing you can cultivate in this season is a teachable spirit. And I've tried to be aware of when when I get resistant, you know, when I react, when I push back, when I'm trying to to be aware of when my my understanding is challenged. That we we would, when you're not teachable, when uh, your back arches up, and you're like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not the reason. That's not the cause. That's, no, no, it's because, of, you know, it's because of this. It's because of, you know, that company. It's because of that billionaire over in America. It's because of that uh, conspiracy theory. It's because of when that becomes the, 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 sole, the sole source of our conversation, when that becomes the dominant thing in our conversation, it will affect your mood and your movement. So this is still stage one. So they, they weren't focused on Jesus. They were focused on their conversing and reasoning. And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him. Now, this is hilarious. This part of the story is hilarious. Because Jesus has just asked them, what, what are you 
you doing? What's this conversation that you're having? And this is what Cleopas says. And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he says to them, What things? They said to him, The things. The things. I have to be careful. I've been doing this a lot since I've come back from. Um, they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happen. Yes, and certain, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. The things. Things. He says, and what things? The things. Now, let me, talk about some, let me talk about the things. So, we're not in denial of the things. It does not help to be in denial of things. There, 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 was a, there was a time back when the church kind of associated faith with denial, right? We, we've moved beyond that. We know there has to be an acknowledgement of actual, you know, realities, facts, situations. But things... That the things that they were obsessed with was blurring their vision. The things that they... It's so funny. They're telling Jesus about the things that had happened to Jesus, not even realising it was Jesus. It's a bit ironic, don't you think? Sounds like an Alanis Morissette song. It's a bit ironic, don't you think? Yep. A little too ironic. Yeah. Um, give these guys credit. They were talking to Jesus about their things, even though they didn't realise it was Jesus. But as we talk to our friends about our things, so important to have our ear attuned to the Holy Spirit. Not just the latest YouTube video or Instagram post. And then this is, this is I know stage one has taken a while, but things are going to start to accelerate in a moment. So he said to them, what does Jesus say to them? So they've just, they've just outlaid it, right? Where hearts are broken. Jesus, our saviour, he died. Wasn't meant to go that way. Died like a common criminal. We're devastated. We're confused. And what did Jesus say? Does he say, oh, I'm so sorry for the suffering I've caused you. Oh, my heart breaks for you. I'm so sorry for the pain I've put you both through. No, this is what he says. Verse 25. He says to them, oh, foolish ones. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. He rebukes them. Clearly, Jesus does not have a gift of mercy. <laughs> and they're weeping with those who weep, Jesus. No. He rebukes them. And stage two is the stage of correction and adjustment. Or corrected and taught. What did I call it? Corrected and taught. Yeah. Same thing. Because Jesus is, the te- the te- God, when God teaches, when the Holy Spirit teaches, he's adjusting. Right? But corrected and taught. And 
Many of us are in stage two. I believe the church, for the most part, is in stage two right now. There are some things being played out because the Lord is correcting. Because the Holy Spirit is coming into the midst and saying, Oh, foolish ones. Oh, foolish ones. This is not the way it is. This is not the way it's meant to be. There are some big paradigm shifts that are taking place. And that requires a letting go of sacred cows, a letting go of beliefs. When we are taught by the Holy Spirit, there can be some rude awakenings. There can be some aha moments. There can be some, oh, what, that's not in the Bible? There can be, you know, an awareness that just because something rhymes, it doesn't mean it's from God. So ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so Jesus starts to teach. He, t- he takes the word and he, and he starts to teach. And I had a vision. And it was like a vision I could see and I could hear at the same time. And it, was, it wasn't like an... Uh, it was, wasn't an open vision. It wasn't like I saw it with my natural eyes. It was a spiritual vision, but it was really impacting. It was of the biggest waterfall I've ever seen. It was huge. And the sound of the, whew, the deluge of water was so loud and so impacting and, and almost overwhelming. And I felt the Lord say to me, there's a deluge of revelation coming. There's a deluge of revelation. And I believe it's going to start, it's, it's going to start to escalate. It's going to start to accelerate. And it's where we're going to start to see things in the Word we haven't seen before. It's going to be, I don't know if any of you have actually lived in a time in, in like, you know, church history where the church started to, to believe some significant things differently. It, it's, it's interesting when um, I got born again in 1980 and I was in a traditional Pentecostal church um, for, for the most part of the 80s. And, and in that time, the word of faith message came to Perth. And um, I'm talking about, you know, a, the message, a message of faith, living by faith, putting faith in the word of God. I'm talking about a revelation that the Lord wants to prosper and the Lord wants to heal and all these sort of things, which for the most part, we all take for granted now. You know, for the most part, we, we don't, we, you, you know, get up on a Sunday and we you know, pray, believe for people to be healed, pray and believe um, people to prosper and that the word, faith in the word is, is powerful, that, you know, that, that we are faith people. Well, back in my church, that caused a church split. That was huge. That to, to the, their understanding of faith, that it was something we could activate. There was something that we could actually put faith in. God. That, that what was new. That was, that was radical. That was revolutionary. Would have been the same. I'm thinking of the healing evangelists in the 50s. You know, and uh, Oral Roberts had a revelation of, of the word as seed. Now, that's so common. You hear that so much now. Like, that's, but it was new and it was revolutionary. And there's going to be some stuff coming. And there's already been droplets, 
But we're going to have revelations and understandings of the word that we never have had before. Because they've been put they've been actually held back for this season. We've been we haven't seen them because they've actually not been assigned to that season. They've been assigned to this. And some of us might start to feel feel a bit silly. Because when you realize that you've been believing something that's not actually the true, not actually, oh gee, I thought that was scriptural. Oh, oh, didn't Jesus say that? I thought Jesus said that. I can't see where he said that. No, he didn't say that. And when enough courageous people start to lend their voices to truth, and there comes a group, and people start talking and, and start realizing that there's a lot of people thinking the same thing and realizing the same thing, then you get a move of God. Then you get, you get, you get reformation. You get some, some significant, you get, you get people being set free. You, 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 you see religion being turned on its head and chains being broken off churches and movements and people and you know, the church is going to be revolutionized. But it's going to come through this avenue of teaching. And I believe there's going to come a dovetailing of teaching and the prophetic. And so for the most part, an Ephesians 4.11 teacher, a teacher explains, a preacher proclaims, just to, right. So I have traditionally been a preacher. I proclaim. Whereas a teacher explains line upon line, precept upon precept. And you can be a teacher teaching the logos of the word, what God has said, the, the logos. But then there's something called the rhema word, which is what God is saying, and so I see teaching and the prophetic coming like this. So we're going to have teachers explaining what God is saying. Does that make sense? Something for you to just consider. And it's this stage of being corrected and taught. And we need to cultivate spirits of humility. No matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, what level we might be, you know, in church life, what we think we know or don't know. As we humble ourselves and be teachable, even concerning ourselves. I was sharing with Yanitza on the way here. Like I've been feeling, uh, I've been feeling some, I guess, you know, conviction, some correction. But, but I'm excited because at the same time being taught of the Lord. Because as a prophet, traditionally, I'm meant to know everything. That's sort of the expectation. People get me in, not because of what I don't know, but because of what I do know. And I find myself often in situations, even social situations, or just sort of casually, you know, interacting with other friends in ministry, I find myself often in the position where I'm the one who is downloading what I know, and, and, and I'm the one who is expected to know, and then I'm sort of like expecting myself to know. Whereas I felt the Lord say to me, he said, Vicky, I want you to position yourself more in a position to be taught. Doesn't matter with who, how old, how you know, just to, to learn, to learn, to learn. A disciple is one who is taught. And so that's just I'm just talking about something personally for me, which see might seem to you like a small thing, but for me it's going to be a big shift in modus operandi. And it actually requires humbling, because maybe I've started to believe that, well, I'm a prophet, 
Yeah, I'm meant to know. I'm meant to know it all. I'm meant to know what's going on. But for those of you, I sense there are some of you here today, even in your line of work, even in areas of business, to be in a position where I'm prepared. Lord, I'm prepared to be taught. Oh, yeah, I've been at this for 20 years, 30 years. But, yeah, maybe there is some stuff I don't know. And, look, maybe the stuff I have known is, is not relevant anymore. Or maybe I've got it wrong. Wouldn't it be incredible? It's like I can just see this collective aha happening, you know, across the body of Christ and, like, we got it wrong. We got it wrong. Because as we admit that, we're positioning ourselves for great transformation, great liberation, incredible empowerment. And so, stage two, right? Stage two, allowing ourselves to be corrected and taught. And then they drew near to the village. This is verse 28 where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. So just picture it. Okay, here they are. So Cleopas and his mate, they're walking along. Jesus is here talking to them. They've been talking. They've been conversing on the road to Emmaus. Jesus makes to go in a whole other direction. Okay, see you guys. They, they've, they've arrived, okay? So they've arrived. Here's Emmaus. And he's like, okay, nice chatting. Off I go. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going anywhere. We, 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 we want you to stay. We need you. There's this hunger in their hearts. There's this, there's this desperation. No, 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 no. We can't let you go. At this point, they don't even know who he is. But we, 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 we need you. We want you to stay. And stage three is the stage of compelling and constraining. This is an important stage because stage four doesn't happen. Stage four is, conting is contingent on stage three. Everything that follows depends on this happening. To compel and constrain Jesus. It speaks of our hunger. Speaks of our hunger. Being hungry for Jesus. We haven't been hungry for Jesus. Not really. Not to, not to the degree, not to the degree that we're going to be. And there have been some time, I remember when I got born again. How many of you remember when you got born again? It's good to remind yourself, right? I mean, I was crazy. I was talking to someone about that only recently. I got born again and, you know, for me it was, a, it was like night and day. Like I just was on fire. Would, would, would witness to everything that moved. And even that, that didn't move. Like, I, if you were interested or not. I remember when I got baptised in the Holy Spirit at youth group, going to work the next day and demonstrating the gift of tongues at, at morning tea. I, I was, and really, around, you know, this is back in the day and you used to smoke at, you know, like morning tea time, you know, smoke. It was literally smoke and you'd be there. Uh, I was just, I said, look what happened to me last night. And they're like, what? And I told him, I told him everything. And I remember one girl, she's like, do it again. And I'm like, oh, rabba, randa, rabba, yeah. But, you know, I went through so much persecution, even within my own family. My own dad didn't talk to me for years because he was so offended that I had 
you know, started going to this strange church, <laughs> joined a cult, embarrassed the family, brought shame on the family. But you know what? It, it was hard. But, man, I just, my love and my, my dependence, my, my, the, the revelation, my revelation of my need for Jesus more than anything was so, was so amplified, so, so up there. And I can just see over the years where it's just sort of, your life can just knock the, the passion out of you. And we've even tried to engineer passion. You've got to be passionate. Passion's a hard thing to bang on. Right? Easier for some of us personality-wise. But this spiritual passion, I see you as a church being baptised in fresh spiritual passion. I can say, and it's an internal thing. Okay? It's not just a rolling out of things to do differently. You know, the five steps to being passionate for Jesus is actually a spiritual transaction. But it comes after being corrected and taught. And it comes as a, as a realization we need Jesus and we start to compel him. We, we start to constrain him. We need you in our lives. We need you in our church. We need you more than anything. I need you. There are some of you who got a bit jaded even over the years. I see a fresh baptism, a fresh baptism in, in, your, in your, your sense of need, your sense of hunger, spiritual passion, compelling and constraining. And verse 30 says, It came to pass, as he sat at the table. That's a whole other message, the table. That's one, going to be one of the most powerful metaphors in, our, in this new era. At the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Can I have the worship team return, please? Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were open. Stage four, revelation. What have I called it? Revelation and renewal? Yes, I have. <laughs> revelation and renewal. Their eyes were open. They've been walking with Jesus all along. And their eyes were open suddenly to see Him. I love the way then Jesus just takes off. Job done. Mission accomplished. <laughs> off He goes. That's where we're heading to, people. Where are we heading to? A new revelation of Jesus. That's what it's about. Eyes open. Seeing Him in a new way. From what I can see, all through church history, um, every major move of God was preceded by some new revelation of Jesus. That Jesus was someone they hadn't seen Him as before. And for those of you who are wondering, like, what to do, you know, even I see church leaders, uh, not just in our nation, but across the nations of the world, trying to work out what to do. Like, what do we do now? What's the new model? No model. There's no model. What we do is going to come out of the new revelation of Jesus. We're putting the cart before the horse to think that we make our decisions. And I'm not just talking about leaders here at C3 New Hope making decisions and plans for the future of the church. I'm talking about us in our everyday lives. What we do with our lives, the decisions, the choice. Some of you, are, 
you're anxious to, to make a decision. Some of you are anxious to know what to do. Some of you have been anxious, just concerning stuff concerning you. But it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Where are you on the road? Where are you on the road? You think, sometimes we think we need something and it's, that's not what we need. You see, the answer isn't the answer if the question isn't the question. You, 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 if you're asking the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. And I feel we've all corporately got to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and, and not worry. Not worry about this other stuff. And I know this stuff clamoring for attention. It's wanting to keep us in stage one, conversing and reasoning. There's a lot of voices. Anyone else stop watching the news over the last couple of years? I just, you know, I get a few highlights on YouTube. My husband fills me in if there's something I need to know on a need-to-know basis because I was getting really anxious and I was getting so angry and I was swearing at premiers. As I, <laughs> I didn't need that stuff. And, and we, 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 are, we are in this season of course correction. We're in this season. You see, the new things aren't going to be received by the mind, applied by our understanding. It's being birthed. The new thing, behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. I've been preaching that for probably five, five years now, maybe even longer. It's being birthed. And we're going through the birth pangs. You're going through even personally. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.